Hi, this is Sam Garman. And this is Michael Soto. You are listening to Transform. The podcast where we explore the stories and experiences of folks who are transgender. Beyond the transition. One, two, three, four. What did your mom say? What is your real name? How about those drugs that you take? And does your voice change? How come you don't feel ashamed? What kind of love do you make? But you don't care about my answers. Your questions ignore me. Let me tell you a story. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about femininity. Uh, We've invited two fantastic guests into the studio to talk about their experiences with femininity Um, in the same way that we had conversations when we talked about masculinity with our friend Shane. We really want to um, shine a spotlight on the ways that the experiences of femininity for trans women are different um, or maybe even somewhat the same as the experiences of femininity for cis women. Um, And so we think that this, uh, we think that that you'll really enjoy this conversation. Samantha Hurd, I, well, I mean, I've lived here in Phoenix since 2002, originally from Northern California, and came here by virtue of living on in New Jersey, which is a pretty interesting place. Um, parent of two lovely boys, loving to death. Um, they're my whole life. You've seen pictures. Yes, and they're adorable. They are. They're great. They're great. Um, and then uh, I'm a criminal defense attorney. So I work throughout Maricopa County and just kind of bounce around from different courts. And if you see a little hybrid chugging along the road, you know, a little gray hybrid, that's probably me bouncing around. So nice <laughs> to meet everybody. Um, Samantha, can you tell us your pronouns? Oh, uh, she, her, you know, as long as, yeah, that's good. It's a good start. Excellent. <laughs> um, I'm Catherine Lockmiller. Um, so... I've lived in Phoenix for four years. Um, I'm a health science librarian at Northern Arizona University. I work at the Phoenix Biomedical Campus downtown. Uh, one of the things I enjoy doing and want to do more of is promoting um, transgender healthcare literacy, really LGBT literacy in general, especially um, to healthcare providers um, who aren't as familiar, who are in some situations. Uh, less familiar than the consumer. Uh, I and my pronouns are she and her. Um, I use the letter I a lot too. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I'm a long distance runner. It's the thing I enjoy doing. Uh, I'm training training for a race right now. So oh, wow. I, yes. I saw the twenty six point two in the back of your car. I was oh. like. God bless you. I get I get winded going upstairs. I'll tell you. Uh, great. Well, thank you both for being here with us today. We're so excited to talk with you. Yeah. If you could both just tell us a little bit about uh, your journey and how you uh, sort of came to recognizing your identity and a little bit of what that was like for you. I'll start. Um, so I identify as a transgender woman. I also identify as sexually queer. Um, I've been out of the closet. Um, 
out of the closet, began my medical and social transition in uh, March 2014. Uh, um, that was a long process for me. Uh, I didn't start, I didn't come out until I was 26 years old. I was just about to turn 27. Um, I grew up in a, and, and a lot of that is because I grew up in a really difficult um, place uh, for persons who identified as queer in any way. Um, I grew up in a small fundamentalist um, Southern Baptist household, a very small town in uh, Clovis, New Mexico. Um, yeah, it was, uh, for me, it was really a challenge to even know, I, like so many other trans people, what it meant to um, you know, to be trans, to understand the word, to understand the concept. Um, there was just sort of a vague sense of knowing, um, you know, knowing that there was some sort of difference about you and a, a sort of queerness um, that didn't really have a word. Uh, it was very much, there was, it was very much associated with shame though. Uh, this was a strong sense that I was uh, supposed to be ashamed of who I was. Um, I, th I think that that's actually fairly, fairly, I think shame is pretty much uh, inherent in, in, in um, all religious environments towards most religious people, but it works itself out more fully uh, among those of us who are not in the sort of uh, traditionally privileged, um, uh, who don't identify in ways that are, are, very privileged um yeah so it was it was it was it was extremely difficult it was very small like i said it was a rural town i didn't come into contact with openly queer people at all growing up um any any sort of contact i did have was mediated through you know tv through film uh through eventually the internet and the you know and then the the sort of highly fetishized depictions of transgender women, especially online, uh, you know, many of those things only serve to feed my sense of shame uh, that I'm still working through today. I, I mean, I, I, it was funny because I, I tried to reflect back a little bit before coming here today and talking. You know, the, I've only perceived myself as a woman. That's it, from the beginning of my life. and and. I remember the the earliest I think you know the I became aware of a sense of wrongness in myself I think I was about six and this is of course when I when I was religious as a child and I wasn't born in a particularly religious family mm -hmm. but it was just kind of there it was an undercurrent and I remember going to bed for a series of days um, and this is like you know I think this is about 1979 maybe give or take 80 um, and now I'm really dating myself and I and saying um, just God I'll be the best kid ever just when I wake up, you know, let me be a girl like my sisters. Mm. I grew up with three other sisters, two older and one younger. And it was, I was just one of the bunch, you know? I mean, that, that was just the, the way that I thought of myself. There was really no distinction between me and them. Um, and uh, it wasn't until, and uh, I think there, that segregation based upon gender started becoming a part of my daily life, right? Mm -hmm. When you're talking about when they, you know, first grade, second grade, um, that I, I I understood. Well, hell, I'm 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 on the wrong track, um, and you know it was, you know, this is back then. My parents knew. I mean, you know, they they had found clothing and all. Am I talking too much? <laughs> um, 
they have found clothing and my affect and everything. And there's all these, um, these things that were going on with me. Um, but of course my parents reaction, they, you know, was this boom, this, they, they slammed the door on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was this, this, this complete and tremendous turn inward, right? This, you know, you said it, this, this, this shame, um, because obviously if my, my parents disapprove of this, there must be something fundamentally wrong. Uh, and so I just internalized and it buried and buried deeper and deeper and deeper. It was always there. It was never not there. Um, and uh, it, it made it made me almost, a, I always say it's kind of like a spectator to my own life. You know, I felt this perpetual degree of separation from from living. Uh, and there were people along the way. It was funny is, is I connected with some people recently. And one of them was my my first girlfriend in high school. Um, and, uh, and she knew I was 18 years old and, wow. and she knew I came and, and God bless her. You know, she, when I told her, she went up to, we were, I was, this is when I grew up in California she yeah. went up there and to, uh, bought me some clothes and brought it back. And that's, Aww. you know, I mean, and of course me, I didn't really transition until I was in my late thirties. I grew up in the shadow of San Francisco and then I lived outside of Manhattan and I decided to come to Phoenix to finally pull the trigger well. and get my life right, right? Um, but there's been some, some good in that, you know? But um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, that's just, I, I've always known who I am. It's a, there's the continuity of, of my being. But it's funny now, having transitioned several years ago, um, it, it's almost in some strange way as, as, I mean, you guys know this, nothing has changed, right. you know, in many ways. And, um, and so that's just where I find myself now is, is, is very, you know, life and turn, you know, a few years ago was, is this very um, bland suburban life, two mm. kids married. And um, now I find myself, you know, single suburban life, bland, not unmarried. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's where I am Big now. changes. Yes, yes. So, so that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. And if my family could see me right now. <laughs> I'm sure that's an, its own conversation. It is. <laughs> how, have, uh, how have you both uh, been able to claim or own femininity in a way that feels like it's yours um, like as women in the world like how do you how do you do that you know um I, I think and what it is is to to take a step back and know thyself you know mm-hmm. i think that's the most important part um because it certainly is something that is very easy to externalize and i i i, I certainly talked about it before and i'm pretty open about it is that um, when I was married, um, the, you know, I was married to a woman of color and, um, lesbian and, uh, she, um, was a wonderful mentor in terms of cultivating a strong sense of self and making sure that I looked to the right, um, uh, you know, I guess the, the right sources they're having the right, um, uh, people to support me. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that, you know, because I mean, I was a spectator to, being socialized as a woman by seeing my, my sisters socialized around me, right. but it was never something that was directed at me. Oh. And in, in getting that um, guidance from her, I really realized how important it is for women to mentor each other yeah. and to mentor each other in the right way. 
Uh, and so my femininity is something that, you know, when, when I first transitioned, I mean, obviously it was like, I, it was, you know, I, I, I was like, I was shot out of the gun, you know I mean? I was out there and shopping and having a grand old time. And then I, I dialed it back and I, and I realized that, um, I think that the nicest thing about being a woman and being feminine is that you, I have a pretty broad palette in terms of, of what I want to um, you know, to express what I don't want to express. Yeah. And I enjoy that. And I enjoy that. But it was really, to me, the, the crux of it comes to an ownership of self and ownership of my own experience and making sure that I had good examples of strong, beautiful, independent mm-hmm. um, women to, to look after. And yeah. that I think that made my journey much, much easier because of it. You know, mm. st- stood on the shoulders of a giant, I would say. So, oh, yeah, that's beautiful. Um, so just as a an illustration, um, before I, I've I've been deeply embedded in academic life for most of most of my life, all of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, uh, I was working on in in. In the fall of 2013, I was working on my, I was in the middle of my PhD program um, in English literature. And I remember having a, I, I was deeply closeted still. And um, I remember having a faculty member who I thought was just so divine, so intelligent. She was, she was, you know, this brilliant queer theorist who, um, uh, who was everything that I, you know, <laughs> wanted to be and um i remember her her blatantly criticizing uh transgender women specifically for um for mocking and or not mocking but for sort of performing and costuming gender and costuming um female identity uh and how how deeply troublesome it was for me uh to see somebody who i thought was potentially an ally uh to sort of knock on knock on persons who were clearly who are clearly not privileged to express their the gender that they are expected to express which is typically masculine and are not allowed by some persons uh to express themselves in a way that's feminine um so before I ever came out, I was I had the the notion that that I could not perform femininity was <laughs> was deeply had become had become weeded into me. Uh-huh. It, was, it was funny, you know, I'm working myself out of an ideal ideological background and history in which people had very specific essential genders and sexual identities. And I'm finding myself bumping up against a supposedly, um, you know, radical uh, ideology that I, I'm drawn to and also finding it to be a barrier. Uh, so w- for me, femininity felt so difficult, uh, even when I did come out, because um, I, was, I was very afraid of engaging in what I thought might be perceived as inauthentic performance, um, which is really unfortunate because I felt that I was having to police myself like so many other women 
constantly are in our culture. I was having to police my behavior and my my um, the th- and and how I enjoy expressing myself. Right. Um, I, I still don't perceive myself as as a as a as someone who is extremely um, feminine in my you know in my behavior. Although I, I think I engage in very typically feminine activities. I, I'm a librarian in a field that's dominated primarily by women. I, um, I, I've run, I feel like, for some reason, I feel like running is very white woman of me. Um, so, tattoos. No. Um, so I, I constantly feel inside myself this, this need to, to think about how I'm how I am portraying my femininity and, and whether that is um, acceptable or not. Uh, I don't think I should have to. And that's the, that's, I think what I, um, where I'd go with that is I, I think that that's what's particularly damaging about our relationships with transgender women is that we tend to, we tend to assume a number of things. We tend to assume that femininity is, is artificial and that it's constructed in a way that uh, I don't think, I don't. I don't think it's healthy um, because it, it teaches young young girls, both cis and trans, that they can't behave in a certain way. Otherwise, it's only um, you know, only made up. Um, I think that we tend to assume that not only is it artificial, but it is also lesser, um, and therefore, uh, persons should. Uh, <laughs> Uh, persons should not, uh, especially when speaking about transgender women, why would you take on a, a lesser uh, form of um, self-expression? Uh, all of these sort of uh, cultural barriers get placed in such a way that make it very difficult, I think, for transgender women uh, to be able to be out in a way that is comfortable for themselves. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a really interesting point because I think that I think that that's that's a, it's probably something that most cisgender women listening can say like oh I have some I have some relationship with it, that like that makes sense um, just because I think every every person who identifies as a woman has had their femininity policed in some yes. way okay. um, yes. just because it's such a it, it like that seems like just like there's just some open season on right. fe- on <laughs> femininity policing and it's really and I think your your point is is an important one because the the shocking thing for me in terms of transitioning wasn't it was it was how entitled people people felt to police mm-hmm. who I am as a woman right and that and and I realized in that the commonality you want to you want to get together and have a bunch of women talk and complain discuss that topic mm-hmm. discuss um, how uh, specifically men uh, have a tendency to, um, you know, I was talking to a, a, a woman, uh, an attorney on, on Thursday, and she said, you know, I was sitting there and I had a trial, and she's a, a very good attorney, um, uh, litigator, and she said, I was talking to this other attorney I've known for a long time, and he looked at me and said, you know, you should really smile more. Oh, and, and right, oh. right, demeaning, yes. right? Oh. Um, and nothing about what he did 
what had, there was no malintent or anything there. It was just this ingrained sense of this is something that I am able to comment on. Uh -huh. You know, you'd look mm -hmm. cuter, you know, wearing this. You right. know, you smile more, um, whatever. Right. And it's and it's, it's and the, the obviously the larger message is comply more with my expectations of what femininity is. Absolutely. And and you know, in a lot of ways, I and I think part of the reason why I dialed back to the some some extent is because. I don't want to feed into that. I'm mm -hmm. not going to play your game. When I dress, you know, in you know, femininely, when I present femininely, whatever I'm wearing, um, and I'm talking about femininity in terms of uh, simply the 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 visual, right. you know, uh, right. um, that's my call. I'm doing it because I want to, not because of anybody's preference or anything else. Um, but conversely, if I don't want to play in that at all, I'm not going to. Uh, and it's um, there was this, there was a show that I watched um, and it was fantastic and there was this one line in it that uh, she, this woman was a sociology student she goes you know I spent a day where I didn't smile and she said everybody was hostile to me and and you I've realized that is being obviously socialized very differently historically mm -hmm. I'm not used to the you know the smile and wave and that 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 perpetual you know faux congeniality mm -hmm. and so I don't do it and so people are off put I'll walk along and I'll be in my thoughts and I'll look up and I'll be like hey what's going on you know and and no hey right. yeah. and people are like what's what's wrong with her you know I mean you know are you okay I'm like yeah I'm perfectly fine I just not I'm not gonna you know right. so it, it's it's interesting it's, it's a lot of little um I guess you'd say a little microaggressions you know yeah. so well, and the fact that in our society we have a we have a phrase for that that you have RBF, right? <laughs> like that if you don't if you don't play into that specific smiley happy, like making everyone else around you feel okay with your presence, that then you have that is a that is your identity. It's yeah, like, that is unbelievably harsh. Yeah. Uh -huh. It seems like a really complex place to navigate, yeah. coming to femininity and how to like how to find your footing there. It's yeah, I think, I mean, I, I identify pretty vocally and openly as, as a feminist and and that becomes, it becomes a minefield uh, to behave in ways that, uh, to, to talk like, <laughs> to talk like a feminist that, you know, to, to behave in ways that reinforce a patriarchy that reinforce notions about uh white male domination um and and especially when there are things that i enjoy enjoy doing that are pretty you know pretty feminine things that i have to really wonder um in doing this am i doing something that is um causing harm even though i find you know pleasure in it or even though i desire it um you know i i've i recently read a, a memoir by a, a transgender woman who was talking about the the inability of transgender women to talk about being able to desire very stereotypical sort of dinosaur-esque feminine um behaviors red lipstick um you know uh, uh the the things that one associates with uh 
like this matriarchal person or a drag queen or something that's that's hyper feminized um that persons can't just legitimately enjoy those things because to do that is to is to call attention to a uh an ideology that that it has deeply that, that, that deeply affects all of us and is very damaging not only to you know cisgender and transgender women but to cisgender and transgender men as well mm-hmm. yeah i think that's the thing about sexism and patriarchy right it's doing damage to all of us and why feminism for me at least isn't is critical uh to the work because the goal of feminism is to actually liberate all of us from sexism and patriarchy and those um all of the different, the, from the microaggressions to the big oppressions, right, that keep us from living our authentic lives. Yeah, and I think for me, feminism is best defined as, as being an ethics of care, mm. right? And so it's it's a carefulness and a careful attitude towards, towards others as individual selves <laughs> and how, those, how others can... Uh, comport themselves in a way that best suits them in a way, and as you said in a way that is authentic and liberating yeah the idea that a transgender woman wouldn't be able to enjoy doing something like wearing red lipstick or yeah. wearing really high heels or a short skirt or whatever like because that's too stereotypical and therefore anti-feminist is just like that's such a mind fuck to try yeah. and like like to think about how like how that would play out but also like because of the way that mm-hmm. you know society places gender it's i mean i think that's obviously true but that's also just like it's so really unbelievably sad yeah. well and, and we do the same thing with say you know cisgender women who are dressed really scantily and and you know they might get hit on and and a, and a guy feels le- like he can legitimately do that because she was asking for it by dressing yeah. like a tramp right. Right. um which I, I, isn't true i, I right. do find it interesting though is because a lot of those things, those the, the those classic trappings of, of mm-hmm. femininity, I love, and I I is a regular part of my life. But then I think about obviously there's a bit of an age gap here, mm-hmm. and I think the binary I was brought up in is is ingrained in my sociality in my psyche. It's it's very core, and I've tried to deconstruct it and get out of it. Mm-hmm. But in all truth, and I have to own it, I've gone from you know where I was placed to the place that I should have been, but it is still within that same binary. Sure. It's comfortable yeah. for me. It's mm-hmm. what I know. Right. And I don't yeah. know if I'm gonna ever get to a point where I can truly deconstruct things where I can really mix and match. But I own that. I mean I own the fact that I'm I am at that place now. It's a and it's a comfortable place and I'm trying to do good to the extent I can. But mm-hmm. a lot of times the conversations that are had were, you know, queer and, and all these I, I honestly I don't think I understand the under the underpinnings of the conversation enough to even participate frankly well and and I find what you're saying really fascinating for me because I you know I I know that I've been in um, relationships post transition with um, uh, women who who were able to cisgender women who are able to sort of express themselves in a way that is very that blurs lines mm. and that doesn't appear to be immediately feminine or masculine and how I've felt sometimes jealous mm. by that mm. because I find that if I try to do that, then I, I get policed back towards a certain t- sort of femininity. Really? So, and, and part of that is my own 
my own insecurities about being misgendered or, mm. or being, uh, you know, mis, you know, misunderstood by someone. Um, so, so there's this constant, uh, there's this line that that I, I find that I have a lot of difficulty crossing it sometimes and huh. towards a more neutral um, gender expression. Huh. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing it would be really hard to be a transgender woman who uh, who expresses their gender in a much more like almost androgynous or like gender neutral kind of way because I imagine that's like a double fuck you to the system <laughs> like not, not only yes. <laughs> not only am I am I trans and so I'm crossing over but also now I won't participate in your gendered way of thinking so it's like I, I could see that um being a like I could see you getting policed around that where people are just like you don't fit in any box that I can Yeah, why find. did you and do so, this in the first place? Right, yeah. Right. <laughs> or to even fluctuate. I mean, I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, we all have a range of gender expression, right? Right. That, you know, you can fit in that binary and you cannot, depending on how you feel throughout your lifetime and in any moment, right? Like I heard Leslie Feinberg once uh, say uh, in a speech, it's our job to both defend the binary when it fits for people and to deconstruct it when it doesn't. Um, so we were also interested in sort of like, what are, like, has anything surprised you about living and being seen as a woman? Uh, the ways that, you know, like, like, oh, I didn't necessarily expect that. You talked about being told to smile or people having opinions about how you should yeah. comport yourself in public, but any other things that were, um, surprising as you transitioned? My, um, I'm surprised on the, the lack of of personal space i have at some time at some times um that uh you know i mean i've been assaulted and you know more than more than once um and uh i mean when you compare notes with any of the women out there it's no different i mean it's just it's nobody should have to sign up for that though right i mean it's a it's a failure um across the board to socialize women that you put up with that and socialize yeah. men that you can do this. Yes. And, um, and I have, I have an issue with that, you know, I mean, and, and frankly, it made me withdraw quite a bit because there was a time when I was going out and being social and living large. And now, geez, <laughs> I want to just get home at the end of the day after work and just kind of, kind of just cocoon. Uh-huh. Uh, and I mean, I'm doing fine. Don't get me wrong, but, um, it, it, it really has been surprising, you know, and, um, I, I tend to be in circles with, I mean, I'm, I'm half of my clients are in jail, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, sometimes it's just, it's, it's frightening. Uh-huh. And I, I think in a lot of ways I try to push it out of my mind because I think if I was um, really cognizant about how, of how much fear I should have in these circumstances, um, I, I probably wouldn't be very effective at what I do. But I felt the same fear walking to my car in right. a parking lot. Um, and I think that's the biggest surprising is that the surprise for me is that I never knew this type of fear in my old life. It, it quite arguably, it was very different. It was this tremendous sense of of potency, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the sense of of untitled ownership 
to any place that you were, completely yeah. unfounded, right? Right. Uh, and uh, and now it's just been this huge reality check. Uh, and and it's it's but it's insightful. It's it's been insightful. I think it's made me much more sensitive to the process the, the processes of other people. Um, definitely uh, other women, you know, um, and uh, you know other people that find themselves in a situation that uh, somebody or some people feel like they can exercise domain over you and your process in your life just by virtue of who they perceive themselves to be. Right. And that's. That's something that I still haven't been able to wrap my head around. Probably never will, honestly. Uh, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I've had same, the same experiences. Um, I'm sure similar experiences. I'm sure I've had, um, you know, encounters with people that are uncomfortable and definitely my, the microaggressions that come with being a female in a in a world that is primarily masculine um i i in some ways to 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 be a little more optimistic i, I have been surprised by i'm pretty out i'm very very vocal about my being a transgender woman i i, I tend not to uh um stay closeted very long when i'm in new places um <laughs> And, and uh, I, I've been often surprised by the level of, of understanding and compassion that I've seen uh, by different people. Um, it goes with the caveat that, I've, that many persons are understanding and compassionate, but not necessarily educated and, and, and might need you know direction. I, I had it. I had a situation. A, a good a good illustration is is um, uh, <clears throat> an administrator at a, a previous job I worked at. Um, I was uh, we were taking a safe space training uh, together, and um, I think Sam might know this story. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, I, I I spoke up during this training and said, "Not well." They asked something about uh, being, you know, transgender people, and, and someone had an answer, and it just felt to me so bad that I felt I needed to say something, and I also needed to say, as a transgender woman, you know, I, I think you know we need to correct that because um, it was in the presentation. Uh, oh, wow. Well, one of this administrator uh, was sitting at this table with me, and, and you know, he looked at me for like ten seconds. It was so uncomfortable, and he said. You're just so beautiful. I always thought you were a real woman. Oh God! Oh my God! <laughs> oh my God! Wow. And uh, oh, wow. <laughs> it's a diversity coordinator, by the way. Oh, wow. No. <laughs> oh. Um. Oh, that is so. Wow. It was. <laughs> the problem was, you know, this person was in a safe space training. Right. Wants to be an ally. Wants to care, and and genuinely did care. But has a severe like like a wedge between yeah. what it means to be a woman and 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 what it means to, what it means to be a cisgender woman and what it means to transgender woman. Right. Um. So so when I think about you know shocking moments that express both of those at once, I think that's probably the, the most shocking. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Just to have someone feel like they can utter the words "real woman," right? Yes. Like, oh, god. So just. 
that. Wow. The only person mm. who can say that is Shania Twain. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> oh, wow. That's just, yeah. Those moments always kind of knock the wind out of me. I don't know about the two of you how you yeah. feel about that. They just always hit me with a lot of surprise. You it, know? it always surprises me how somebody's demeanor can can change. Like yeah. they've known you for some time and all of a sudden they're told and all of a sudden you're a different person to them. Right. And you're like, what, what, mm-hmm. what the hell? I mean, I have not changed an iota. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's interesting. I mean, my, my perspective on my transition was basically, look, this is something that went wrong back in the day for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you repair it and you get back to work. And that was my attitude is, you know, is that I had invested in my, my career and my degree and I had two boys that I'd take care of. And so there was a tremendous focus in terms of femininity of using that to some degree right. as um, a, a shield, right? Yeah. The more I complied with the expectations of people around me, the more that it was fine for the people that had known and for everybody else they didn't and it wouldn't even be a topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've missed opportunities where I could have said something and I didn't. And those moments where you know you could stay up and say something, frankly, I haven't. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I've had clients that, you know, there was incidents where, where people were beaten just because they were trans and I had mm-hmm. to represent the people wow. that did it. Oh. Uh, and oh, wow. oh. and I never said boo, and I did my job, wow. um, and I felt like absolute, you know what, as a result of it. Yeah. Um, but I look at that as my obligation being their attorney because I thought to push an agenda would be putting myself ahead of mm. my my requirement to mm. do their do them justice. Sure. It's a, it's an uncomfortable place to be, right? Because I am aware of the tremendous opportunities that we all have every day to be an example and to educate. Right. Um, and, and uh, you know, I mean, I think I probably let more than a few of those pass me by. And um, I, I don't know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely trying not to, but I'm, I am, so. Well, I think speaking in a podcast is a good, good instance. Yeah, of, uh, yeah. Sorry. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think too that that speaks towards you know what a lot of LGBT people experience is the real sensitivity to spaces and the spaces that we inhabit. That mm-hmm. some are more um, amenable to um, <clears throat> being vocal. Some are more amenable to this sort of these sort of stances you know, social justice stances uh i i mean it, it's it's unfortunate that academia is still f- filled with with persons who, who definitely misunderstand the lgbt communities but it's also in in many ways a, a, a space where you, know, you can more more easily and safely say things um or or i found in my experience i, I i'm i'm very well aware there are a lot of LGBT people who have not found that to be the case. Um, if I were to be living in a town or that I grew up in, forty thousand people in a rural in rural New Mexico, primarily farmers, I think I would have a very different experience with how I interacted with the world. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I get it. I, mean, I do think there are like there are certainly times when being visible is safer right and times when it's less safe and i like and i mean part of it like our justice system is predicated on 
folks being able to have a defense mm-hmm. even when they've done heinous things. And so like that is that's a part of the justice. So that's a that is a tough one. I I don't I don't envy you that position. Well, um, and if you look at the military right now, right, it's a perfect example of transgender people being being pushed back and forth between visibility and invisibility. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that there was the longest time where you were not allowed to be an op- be openly trans or to transition. Um, uh, you know, from from a form of gender expression to another form of gender expression, and then you were, and now you can't. So there's this sense that you have that, that we do. We constantly have to be aware of where we are and and when we are too. Yeah. Right. Well, and you can't be un like you people can't unknow that you're trans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like so, like I think about the incredibly brave you know, airmen and soldiers who have come out and had been been visible and said, like, I'm trans, this is who I am, I'm serving. I mean, I think about Logan Ireland and his wife and, like, mm-hmm. the ways that they've been so visible in the military, and now it's like, okay, well, now you're not allowed to exist. And he's like, well... <laughs> yeah, too late. <laughs> <laughs> like, y'all can't unknow that I'm here. Right. So, like, now what? Um, and I think that that's... I mean, that's... I think that's maybe always the fear about when you come out, is that you know that people can't unknow it once they know it and so then it's like mm-hmm. you're making a, a mm-hmm. choice that can have long-term ramifications for sure yeah yes. and a lot of it depending on where you are um you may be very insulated from that you may not be you yeah. know you work in a regulated environment where there's hr procedures and things like that maybe you can muddle through it and maybe people will have enough concern over crossing that line that they won't do it Right. Um, but it ends up being this armistice. Um, but in situations where you don't have the ability mm-hmm. to do that, and and this I'm saying come from somebody who trans who, who um, uh, you know I transitioned in a very regulated, probably the one of the most regulated environments. Um, it was I, I at least initially I went loud because I wanted to take advantage of all of these procedural protections that existed. Um, and I, in effect, I was putting people on notice, especially people that I worked under, saying, this is me, I'm gonna be very obvious about this, just so we're aware, and, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, I think my situation was the exception, mm-hmm. um, because you know it's too easy in a, an unregulated work environment, you know, you're at will, you know, you, you're, right. you're, you're bringing down employee morale, not doesn't have anything to do with your train, just go, you know? Right. Uh, or hey, because you're trans, you're making me uncomfortable. Is that will right? I mean, no uh-huh. protections. I'm, and um, that I guess that to me is what I know that I know enough right now to know that my view is exceedingly limited. Right. It really, really is. Um, and I have the last thing you'll ever hear from me is any complaints about how my transition uh, went through and, and where I am now. Um, but I, I I genuinely hope that um, and I see this as being my obligation and what I do want to focus on I can't I I will never see myself as being out there waving a flag what I do see myself doing is taking the opportunity to always give people good information give people something that they can use as opposed to something they've got off of a BuzzFeed site, you know, right. some some poorly written, you know, bit of misinformation that they're going to take and they're going to own as theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that's that's really um, what I'm trying to do. And, and and it's it just it's it's hard. I mean, it's it, 
I'm not used to, and I think this gets back to probably my life, having to feel the need to justify my own existence, uh -huh. right? To mm -hmm. continuously explain, I feel like, you know, you're always, I feel like I'm in trial almost, you know, yeah. that, yeah. Um, that I, I have to explain and justify and this and that and present my identity in a way that I'm making it comfortable for somebody else. And you get sick of it. You get really sick of it, you know. Yeah. Um, yep. And and uh, I kind of don't know what to do with that, honestly. Uh, yeah. Because I, I find myself at a point right now where I don't want to, you know, do it anymore. I'm kind of take uh, opting for the your opinion of me is none of my business. So let's just walk away from it. <laughs> if you're gonna be my friend, you're gonna be my friend. Right. Um, but that's that's kind of there's lessons that I learned very early on uh -huh. after transitioning, and then there are lessons I think I gradually grasped over time and continue to understand yeah. in time and oh. probably will too. So thank you, thank, thank you, you for in for inviting me. I I, I genuinely <laughs> appreciate it, and I I hope that this is. Um, baby steps for me in terms of integrating um, intelligent advocacy yeah. into my life, you know, because that's, that's, I think, what we all need to do. And I appreciate the fact you guys are already doing it. Yeah. I'm older. I take, it takes time for me to, get, you know, <laughs> you crazy kids. <laughs> 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 oh, it's excellent to come in, you know, to a, you know, a space, talk with people, you know, who have, have a wealth of experience, you know, among themselves who are all able to speak to that. And, and, and the fact that we, we now live in a cultural space where we can put that out there. I think one of the things that, that led me into librarianship was, um, the feeling that online information spaces were key for me oh. to come out of the closet. Mm -hmm. They were what yeah. helped me understand who I was and how I could fit into the world. They were problematic often, but it, it, all physical, you know, non space that isn't online is also problematic. Yeah. And it, it managed to take this diaspora of transgender people and bring them together, uh, give them a, a space to to talk to to be with one another mm -hmm. um so one of the the goals that i've had in, you know throughout my time working in librarianship and in information sciences has been to try to find as many ways as possible to get transgender voices um out there uh for people who you know who are questioning or themselves or the people you know maybe they they know someone and maybe they just want to be an ally whatever it is you know this this sort of exchange i think is what what will help with that ultimately uh, we certainly hope so uh, thank you so much both of you for coming back since we had some technical difficulties the first time and talking with us again sharing your brilliance your amazingness um you both are just incredible thank you thank you thank you, thank you so much for sharing your stories with us thanks for listening make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes our music is by Skylar Kurgle. Check him out at SkylarKurgle.com where you can see what he's up to and link to all his social. We want to hear from you. You can connect with us on TransformPod.com or on Facebook at TransformPod. We appreciate your questions and feedback. Email us at TransformPod at gmail.com. We really encourage your thoughtful and positive feedback. If you disagree with us, that's fine, but we will not engage in any name-calling or dehumanizing talk, so just don't do it. Thanks for going beyond the transition with us. 
please tell me a story.